We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where this podcast episode was produced. We pay our respects to the Kamaragal people of the Garingai Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from today. In this episode, we're talking about workplace bullying. So just a warning that some listeners might find this content disturbing. Guests' names and voices have been changed to protect their safety and privacy. I got called into a meeting where the senior staff and the director, the director chaired the meeting and everyone went around the table to tell me why they did not like me and why they questioned my role needed to exist. This is the true story of what happened to Lucy in one of the most vital and central sectors in society, Australia's public health sector. She never imagined such shocking workplace bullying could take place in plain sight and to some of the country's most essential workers, let alone herself. There was often times in meetings when I would raise ideas and uh, it happened many, many times that these ideas were stolen or I would be told to sit down that I'm stupid. And then five minutes later, a man said the same idea, exactly the same, and, and everyone would say how good it was. In another one of Australia's most male-dominated industries, the mining industry, Paula faced years of severe verbal and emotional abuse, sexual harassment and death threats. I have such self-loathing now that I really even struggle to look in the mirror. That kind of creates a, uh, an extreme distaste for yourself to the point where there's no point in going on. So I, I attempted suicide and was put in a hospital, and uh, it's kind of an ongoing problem. I'm your host, Ray Johnston, and in this episode of Harmful, we share two raw, shocking experiences of workplace bullying in Australia, and we'll discuss the lasting impact that it's had on the victims' lives. Traumatised. My whole body felt like it was on fire last year and still I get triggered now and again and it's my body that reacts. It's the fire through my esophagus, the nausea, the pain that goes through my legs, the sleepless nights, the triggers, um, the waking up sweating and having nightmares, you name it. Last year was horrid. Before we dive into the stories in this episode, let's make things clear. Bullying, discrimination, mobbing, abuse, it can be confusing differentiating between them. Michael Plowright, a workplace bullying prevention and behaviour specialist, will clarify. Bullying is very different from discrimination, though what makes it really quite complex is that it can be wrapped up together. So discrimination will target uh, particular attributes of a person, whether it's race, whether it's religion, whether it's, you know, sexuality, whether it's um, those personal characteristics which are protected uh, under law, whereas bullying is a lot broader and can be or is usually repeated type behaviours. So when we look at bullying from a definition point of view, bullying has to have three particular characteristics. Firstly, there needs to be 
uh, unreasonable behaviour. So unreasonable behaviour could be anything from excluding people from, from work meetings or work functions, not sending through information that a person needs to do their job, so, so sabotage, or it could be, you know, uh, behaviours like when somebody, you know, shouts at somebody in the middle of the office, one employee to another. The other thing that comes into play when it's bullying is that there's a strong link to creating a risk to a person's health and safety. Bullying behaviour over a long period of time has a definite psychological and resulting physical impact on a person. Our first story today is of Paula, who was in her mid-30s and trying to make ends meet for her children when she was offered a position in the mining industry, an excellent opportunity for her career growth. Or so she thought. But soon after starting this position, it became clear that things were not as they initially seemed. From the first day of work, she noticed signs of what would later emerge as patterns of bullying and discrimination. She felt trapped, helpless, and terrified. It is a very, very nasty, insidious, toxic culture. And the the people that I saw come into the industry, they either eventually became tainted by the nasty culture or they left. It was the kind of culture that you had to sort of fit in or you would be targeted yourself. I was very targeted for being female. I was called an incompetent bitch, would not be allowed to get the training that was given out to other people. Managers who was trying to stop me from achieving anything, made sure I was unable to access those things. In another area, uh, I was not allowed to use men's toilet. There were no female toilets. I was told I needed to go in the bush. I was um, sexually harassed a lot mostly by men who were in positions of control over me. I was sniffed once by this disgusting manager. I was excluded from meetings and events and training that happened. I had to beg and plead for different training that men were given without a problem. Um, There was death threats to me. And another guy, another guy got management involved and he got sacked. The person who did the death threats got nothing happened to them. So when I started work with the company, I was told, do not go to HR. And I spoke to a girl in the HR office and I said to her so many times that it was not a formal complaint. I just needed guidance. The manager who I had mentioned to her was doing these things to me. He pulled me into the office and he said he'd had a call from HR and how dare I do that and he was really disgusting and awful about it. But then when later on I was sexually assaulted and I tried to to report that and they wouldn't let me. They said I'm not allowed to report sexual assault to them. I, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know I should go to the police at the time, but I should have. I was a single parent, so that kind of meant that I had to stay there. I felt very trapped. 
I had to be strong for my children and I sort of told some of my friends that I was unhappy at work but I didn't go into the details of what was happening. It didn't really burden them with what was happening to me. For a while I thought I was uh, handling it pretty well. I needed the income and I couldn't afford to take time off at, at all. There were no jobs in the area I was living in that role. I felt like I couldn't pack up my children and move them to a capital city somewhere, which is where there were more opportunities for me. You know, they were settled in school and I didn't want to disrupt their lives. The stress was so huge that I was dealing with from the mobbing at that point, and the sexual assault as well. My brain just exploded and then I, I couldn't uh, speak properly after that and I had to do speech therapy and I shook for about two years. I, I suffered a huge breakdown. Unfortunately, Paula's story is not an isolated incident. Across the country and in various different sectors, Horrific stories of workplace bullying are a harsh reality. Lucy, another target of workplace bullying, was working in the healthcare sector. After years of success and achievements in her career, she never expected to be faced with such degrading treatment and humiliation at work. It started in April 2017 when I was called into a room because there had been a situation between the other staff member and the director the day before. They used to yell at each other quite a lot. It was the way that they communicated. It was accepted on the team to actually raise your voice, um, tell people to get out. It was accepted protocol. So I walked, was part of a, a meeting and I was shocked they were screaming at each other and the next day I got called into a meeting where the senior staff and the director, the director chaired the meeting and everyone went around the table to tell me why they did not like me and why they questioned my role needed to exist. I had just finished telling the director because I'd just come back from a week's leave. I had just buried my father and I told her I was organising a grief counsellor. She knew I was struggling and um, she said, yes, of course, go off and organise that. And um, and then she said she was concerned about the meeting the day before. So she called in the senior staff and then the senior staff member said, it's because of Lucy. Lucy's the problem. Nobody likes Lucy. And so the director thought, well, we'll have it out. So we'll go into the meeting room. And we all went in there and the director chaired it and asked everyone to go around. How did I feel? I just had silent tears going down my face the whole entire time. My whole body was on fire. I, I kept coughing. I honestly felt like I was just going to vomit. I looked up at the sky and I just thought, you've got to be kidding. Who here thinks this is okay? Some staff said this is disgusting. Other staff shook their head. Other staff looked down at the ground. It didn't just traumatise me. It traumatised everybody in that room and it changed everybody's relationship. I went to, to HR. Um, I called HR that afternoon, which is one of the reasons why I went back in. I organised a meeting and I wrote down exactly what had happened. I presented it to HR and she 
said that she would um, she'd encourage me to do the code of conduct training and as a way of influencing other staff to do it. And then when I got back from my meeting with HR, I was called directly into the director's room and the director said, you went to HR. And she started yelling at me and she goes, this is all your fault. I will never organise a mediation meeting between you and the other senior staff member. Everybody hates you. And that's when the vocabulary just was totally accepted. The word hate, stupid, fool, dumb. Jess and John, two of Lucy's colleagues, who witnessed the recurrent bullying and mobbing she faced, tell us more about why they think she was targeted and why this bullying continued. If you haven't heard the term mobbing before, mobbing in the workplace involves groups of people targeting a co-worker for isolation, humiliation and aggression. The organisation was um, particularly hostile to any newcomers. So from the moment that Lucy walked in, they were already like historically hostile to any newcomer. But um, in particular, the the other senior professional really did go out of her way to make Lucy's life miserable, basically. Um, and once um, she started targeting Lucy, then that made like the whole organization's um, culture all about targeting that one person whereas previously they had sort of targeted someone for a while then lost interest in that person then moved to someone else the director in particular was basically a sociopath so once um, she decided to target Lucy she was really, really bad about doing things like gaslighting and, you know, she would blatantly lie to get to try to manipulate and all that kind of thing. So, yes, it was really appalling stuff. You've got a very dysfunctional leadership group, right? You've got two people who are way more interested in protecting their positions and with these positions come high salary. You can imagine what a director role and a senior professional officer role the salaries are significant, and they would certainly had a um, had a inherent need to protect those positions. And uh, I think Jess said it very well when she said the senior professional officer was was jealous, and she was probably worried that uh, she'd be showed up, and she may have been worried that her incompetence and that's a strong word, and I don't use it lightly, but it's certainly apt. I think she probably felt that her incompetence would become very obvious. She had a lot of insecurity around that, and that that drove a lot of the I can see later on that drove a lot of the, the venom. Over the years, many people had actually put in complaints. The problem was that they had a very ineffective complaints process. And so essentially, if anyone put in a complaint, it wasn't really looked at or taken seriously. HR was didn't really care. And also, they have a very short time that they keep records of these things. So basically within 12 months, they would wipe the slate clean. So even when this whole process went through and the union got involved and um, it went all the way up, they had no records of any complaints um, from beyond the last 12 months, which is appalling because this kind of behaviour just keeps happening. It does. It's not something that um, just goes away. So 
the clearing of the records makes it easier for the perpetrator to keep going. At the end of 2018, Lucy was offered an acting manager position within the same company, which presented new problems for her. The staff, the ones that spoke up in the round room, refused to work to me, saying that um, this is the other staff senior's service, it's not your service, Uh, we don't know why you're here, we won't work to you. And then I tried to, within a week, I went to see the person that oversees the whole division and I tried to pull out of acting. Um, I, I actually went to, to HR as well. I said, I don't want this. I, I can't I can't do this. The other senior staff member is making it very difficult for me. And um, he patched me up and he said, this is part of what being a leader is about. And he put me back in. Um, I received several phone calls from the director who was on leave. And she said, I will ruin your reputation if you step up and say anything and or I'll get you fired. And that started a stream through 2019 of being threatened. Through 2018 and 2019, um, petty complaints started about me. Um, Anywhere from, she shouldn't be in the kitchen. Why is she in the kitchen? We don't want her in the kitchen. She said hello to me. She's trying to run her own service. I got called into the director's office by May, all the way through late 2018 through to May 2019, on a weekly basis being told every single member was putting in a complaint about me. Little things like I I didn't look at somebody. It wasn't until May 2019 when I couldn't take it anymore after being told it's screaming at me to get out. The director was screaming at me, get out, get out of here, everybody hates you, um, that I took three days off. And then when I came back in and I was really struggling, that John came up to me and he said he'd support me. And, um, and it was in a few days after I'd contacted the union um, at other people's started to say, we don't want to see you suffer anymore. What do you need? With the incompetence and lack of support from management and HR that both Lucy and Paula faced, what is the hope for employees when it comes to speaking up against workplace bullying? Here's Melissa Pine from the Community and Public Sector Union to tell us about support options. Um, so as a union and in relation to where do we come in as a union, we support our members through the process and it is critical that members make contact with us as soon as possible in order for us to provide them with advice and support and guide them through the processes that are available to them. But I guess there's some simple things that can be done. It's about knowing your rights. The APS and state legislation has policies that specifically deal with workplace conflict. And when you're in these situations, it can be really daunting. So knowing your rights is really important and knowing to reach out and who to reach out to to get that support. Keeping records of what has occurred so that you're able to demonstrate a timeline and breaking the silence. We assist our members in such matters in lodging complaints. We look over their documents. We can make representations directly on the member's behalf and we can guide them through the process. We can step them through the likely outcomes and the process that would have that would come. Even if you have not been to bullying and harassment and you're a witness, stand up 
and speak out as well. Do not be a silent witness. Here's Michael, the workplace bullying prevention expert again. In his role, he offers support to targets of workplace bullying. So the difference between workplaces is their their dedication to workplace culture. Bullying fundamentally is about power and who has control. When an employee doesn't have power and control, then the only thing that can protect them sometimes is the organisation. And that's really the key for them to build positive cultures, cultures that allow people to raise problems and concerns when something happens, that allows bystanders to actually step up and say, there's a problem here that we need to address. And you need organisations that listen to and then act on those particular concerns. Quite often, what we will see is, or what I'll see, is bullying that has occurred over a number of years. So it's not just, you know, six months, it's actually people in an organisation who've been there for for three or four years and the behaviours have have been going on for that period of time. When you're that far down the track, it's, it's really difficult to resolve unless there's a willingness from the organisation to, to find a, a successful resolution. It's really important to intervene as early as possible. So what we tend to find is that that is the best time to intervene if you're actually being bullied. So don't ignore what you're feeling inside. Go with your gut feeling and then act from that point. Problem is that when HR and management aren't being cooperative, the only options you you really have is external sources and and external um, organisations that can help. So, for example, one of those is the Fair Work Commission. Another avenue a person can go down is the health and safety bodies. So whether that's WorkSafe, you know, in Victoria or which or New South Wales or whichever jurisdiction that they're in, they can speak to the health and safety authorities and say, look, this is the issue. What can we do about it? Bullying issues can take a long period of time to be resolved. And let's say the organisation isn't cooperative and so they're not investigating, they're not bringing an external provider to investigate, then you may actually take years to get to an appropriate or a relevant or a working solution for you. So you have to make that decision. Is this the workplace that you want to stay in? It sucks, but it's unfortunately it's, it's a real option that people have to consider as to what's in their best interest from a health point of view. And both Lucy and Paula agree. Their advice to anyone facing workplace bullying is simple. Love yourself more than any job. And whatever you do, just get out. If you find yourself somewhere that you're being bullied, get the hell out of there. And no matter what the cost, get out. Lucy was forced to change careers completely. She resigned after five years trying to stand against bullying in her old workplace, and she thought it was a hopeless battle. I want a peaceful life. I want a peaceful life. You know, the body ages too quickly through stress. I have a family to think of, and I I, I want there to be changes to um, the relationship between fair work and organisations, accountability. 
I would give anything for anyone to tell me how I could push forward that no one has to go through this again. Paula now lives with complex post-traumatic stress disorder and hyperstimulation anxiety. Although she no longer works in the toxic industry that caused her such pain and loss, she continues to navigate her recovery from the trauma, learning new ways to manage her speech impediment and brain injury. Yeah, I have not been able to work since that, and uh, I've lost a lot of people in my life, a lot of people, and have got no understanding or, or, or compassion about what this sort of situation does to a person. I think it's really important for people to leave a toxic workplace. You know, I would do anything to go back and have the old me back so that I could leave the job. I should have done that. I should have done anything other than stay there where I was being treated the way I was. Thanks for listening to this episode of Harmful. If you or someone you know needs mental health support, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 22 4636. Harmful is hosted by me, Ray Johnston. Produced by Maram Ismail. Listen and follow the podcast in the SBS radio app or at sbs.com.au forward slash harmful or in your favourite podcast app.